Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. Merry Christmas, everybody. And I uh, hope you had a really great year last year. There's no guests today because of the holiday, but here's a look back at what went on in the music business last year, including how well my predictions worked out. So first of all, let's look at the predictions. My first prediction was Spotify would go public, and then things would get tougher. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. In April, Spotify went public, and now its stock is trading well below what its initial public offering price was. It actually did okay for the first month or two, and then partially because of the stock market going down. And another part is the fact that tech stocks in general just got hit pretty badly. And then the other problem was the fact that I think people are just a little tired of music stocks and are kind of seeing through the fact that maybe they're overpriced. So that whole combination has kind of caught up with Spotify. In the meantime, Apple Music is catching up. And while Spotify may have 86 million paid subscribers or so, Apple Music now has 56 and they're catching up fast. So things may change next year. Anyway, that was one prediction that worked out. The second prediction was Amazon would grow the music streaming pie. And in fact, that has happened. And that happened mostly because of voice. Yeah, voice activation from Amazon Echo, Amazon Dot, all of those. That helped really push Amazon Music this last year. And Amazon Music has now become a force. And it's kind of the force that everybody had expected it would become. And this year, it actually happened. The next prediction was that Google would get its streaming act together. Yes and no. It sort of did. With YouTube Music and kind of consolidating with Google Play Music. The problem is, there aren't many adopters for this. Google isn't particularly good at advertising their own products. They've never been good at it, and that's why their products, for the most part, don't really catch on. And their music products are no exception. So, even though YouTube Music has tried really hard this year to get new subscribers, the subscriber rate is so low that they don't even publish it. <laughs> and there's no talk about what it is, so people think it's around a million, if that. But uh, Google didn't really get its streaming act together like everyone thought. So that was a miss. My next prediction was streaming networks would up their game. And specifically what I meant was that we would finally see some high-res streaming, especially coming from Apple Music. That didn't happen again. I can't believe it didn't. I'm expecting for it to happen almost any time, mostly because Apple has been collecting high-res master tracks for, what, five years now, maybe going on six. So they have this large reservoir, large catalog of high-res tracks that sooner or later they're going to unleash, and that will set the new standard, but it didn't happen this year. My next prediction was the lack of net neutrality would change our online media consumption. Well, that hasn't happened yet. It very well may happen this year. What that means is, because of net neutrality, it means that your ISP or your internet service provider can pretty much put a throttle on your internet consumption. 
which means any kind of streaming that you have would be the first thing to go. It wouldn't, in fact, mean that you hit a ceiling and then it wouldn't work any longer. It would mean that you would hit a ceiling and then you'd have to pay more. So this didn't happen this year, but don't be surprised if next year, 2019, we start to see that creep in. My next prediction was that the major labels would lose the middle-class artist. Well, they didn't lose it entirely, but starting to, and we could see that by the fact that all of the studies, all of the indications, everything that the IFPI and RIAA put out basically say that indie artists are growing. That whole network of indie artists and indie labels are growing, and now it's something like 38 or 39% of the overall market. Once again, this is kind of unheard of because at one point in time, the segment of the market would only be a fraction of what the major labels had, but that's not the case any longer. Another prediction was vinyl record sales would plateau. Well, they haven't plateaued yet, but they've slowed down. The vinyl record craze is not quite what it was. That being said, we're starting to see new factories actually come online, new vinyl factories come online. So the wait for vinyl should be eased somewhat. That being said, CDs, which everyone predicted would go away, (laughs) they're still around and they're still doing fairly well. Yes, the sales have decreased, but that's the sales that we know of. The sales that aren't counted are the ones that happen online directly from artists, the ones that happen at gigs, for instance, CDs that are sold in churches, places like that. Those are not counted, so we don't know exactly how large that business is. We just know that it's slowed somewhat, it's decreased somewhat, but it hasn't fallen off a cliff like downloads have. Downloads are going to go away very, very soon. But vinyl is still with us, and vinyl is still growing, albeit slowly. And then finally, Tencent Music with IPO. Now, Tencent is a huge, huge corporation in China. And Tencent Music is the largest music service in China. So much so that supposedly they have 800 million users. Now, all of those aren't paid. As a matter of fact, a very small portion of those are paid. But it's enough that Tencent Music, just a few weeks ago, actually did a U.S. IPO. In other words, they went public. Now, the big deal with that is the fact that I had predicted that they would go public with the market cap somewhere around $30 billion, maybe a little higher, meaning more than Spotify. I also predicted that they would turn around and buy Spotify. Now, neither of those things have happened. As a matter of fact, when Tencent Music went public, they raised about a billion dollars. Their market cap is somewhere around $24 billion. It's still more than Spotify, but now is not a good time for them to buy anything. That being said, they're now public, and you're going to see more of Tencent Music in the United States pretty soon. Some other big stories from last year. Facebook usage in the United States has fallen, and there are a lot of people that say that they don't want to use it any longer. In the meantime, Instagram continues to grow, and Instagram is the place to be if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're a band, because Instagram users tend to like music more. And they tend to consume more music. So that's where you want to be right now. If you're just starting in social media, that's where you ought to concentrate and not on Facebook. 
I like Facebook because it's done well for me in advertising and basically getting my message out. But that being said, there are fewer and fewer people that are on Facebook. It doesn't mean it's going to go away anytime soon. In fact, it's growing outside of the United States. But there's a lot of people that don't want to have anything to do with it. Now, that being said, social usage in general, social media usage is down in the United States as people kind of tire of the trend in a way and they don't want social to take over their lives. Another big story is the fact that there's a changing of the guard in touring. For the longest time, everyone thought that after the legacy artists died out, and we're talking about the Rolling Stones and the Who and Madonna and basically stars of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and maybe even the 90s, after they died out, The artists of today, the current artists, would not be strong enough to take over their position when it comes to selling out concerts, especially on a stadium level. That being said, we've now discovered that's not the case at all, as Ed Sheeran had the best year ever. He made $466 million, I think, just in one year from touring. And Taylor Swift was at about $350 million. And if you look at the top five, they're all next generation acts. So, in fact, we're seeing a changing of the guard happening in touring. Good. Music should progress. Artists should progress. There should be a new generation, and there is. Now, another thing that was big is Spotify stock that the record labels own. And we saw two record labels sell either all of their stock or most of it. So the first one to go was Sony, and Sony turned around and gave the proceeds from this windfall to their artists. No strings attached. So in other words, even if the artists owed Sony Music money, they still got to pocket this dough. That was a really nice gesture. On the other hand, Warner Brothers sold most of their stock, and they were not so generous. They did actually credit a lot to the artist, but they said, look, if you owe us money, it's going towards that account. So it wasn't quite as generous. Now, Universal Music has not done that yet. It looks like they're going to. Taylor Swift actually just did something with her last deal. She just signed a brand new deal with Universal, and one of the stipulations was when Universal sells its Spotify stock, all of the proceeds will go directly to the bottom line of the artist's. So she's responsible. At least that's what the press releases say. The Billboard charts kind of taking a beating over the last year. And even though Billboard tends to update their charts and how they're put together, and now so much of it is built around social media, still most people feel that you're better off having a number one on a prime Spotify playlist than you are on the Billboard Hot 100 or Hot 200. And what we're seeing is the the billboard charts are more for the industry. They're almost more for a record label bragging rights than they are for anything that has to do with the artist. So we're seeing the charts actually kind of degrade in terms of what people think they're worth, while playlists, and this is playlists on just about any streaming network, are much more important than ever before. So speaking of streaming, the latest problem for just about all the streaming services is something called subscriber leak. (laughs) And what that means is that someone will buy a family membership, which means they get to sign up four or five other people 
on this membership and then they'll go to their friends instead of their family and they'll say, here, give me two bucks a month or here, you can have it for free. So all of a sudden there's a lot more subscribers that aren't paying. So Spotify has turned around and now asks for the GPS coordinates of all subscribers in order to stem this subscriber leak. Sirius XM finally bought Pandora. Pandora has been struggling for a number of years and it was either going to go out of business or somebody had to buy it. There's been all sorts of rumors of who would buy it and Sirius XM actually stepped in. It's a good fit for both, but we haven't seen any of the synergy actually come to the fore yet. So in this next year, take a look and see how both Sirius XM changes and Pandora now that they're both kind of joined at the hip. A couple of really big plagiarism lawsuits were in the news this last year. The Blurred Lines lawsuit, and if you remember four or five years ago, Robin Thicke had a number one hit called Blurred Lines that Pharrell Williams produced and wrote with them. And within a year, they were sued by the Marvin Gaye estate. Marvin Gaye estate said, this sounds too much like Gotta Give It Up, the big Marvin Gaye hit. And in fact, publishers everywhere were behind the Blurred Lines publishers and writers. Guess what? They lost. Not only did they lose once, they lost in appeals court. They lost twice. And the next step was to go to the Supreme Court, but it's past the deadline. So that suit is now over, and it sent shivers down publishers' backs everywhere, and songwriters for that matter, because now you have to be very, very careful of not only taking the melody or the chords, but also the feel of a song, because that's basically what Blurred Lines took from Gotta Give It Up. So I think we're going to see that really change the business. We've seen it already. It's going to happen even more. The second one was Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. (laughs) The Stairway to Heaven suit keeps on going on as well. 25 years after the fact, the estate of Randy California, the guitar player and writer for the band Spirit from the 60s, who wrote a song called Taurus, took the members of Led Zeppelin to court, saying the Stairway to Heaven infringed upon Taurus. And the estate of Randy California lost the first time. But now, on appeal, things are different. So that case still goes on. And again, this is kind of one of those things where there's sort of a resemblance. It's mostly in the chord structure, but it's a very common chord structure that's used in Stairway to Heaven and Taurus, for that matter, So it's very difficult to say beyond that that anything was really copied. That being said, it's time for the courts to act on that one. Spotify made news by direct deals with indie artists. Yeah, now what they did is they said to indie artists, big indie artists, look, why don't you just do a direct deal with us and you can make a whole lot more money. Bypass the record labels. Make a lot more money. So far they haven't gotten a lot of people to sign up on this. The record labels are on the offensive because certainly they don't like this. Now, of course, if you're signed to a major record label already, you can't do a direct deal because you're already signed. But if you're an indie artist, then certainly you can do this. So is this going to spread? Don't know. But it is an interesting next step in this whole evolution of how Spotify is doing business. Another really big thing last year was the Music Modernization Act passed. It's finally law. Now, there are three parts to that. One of the parts was the Music Modernization Act, 
And basically, it just made it easier for songwriters to get paid and also for rate hikes to take place. There's still a lot of contention on how this is going to be done. So it's not a done deal. It is from the law standpoint. It's not a done deal on the actual operational standpoint. So let's see what this year brings on that. The other two parts were the AMP Act, and this is, for the first time, producers and engineers or feature players can get paid. Producers especially can get paid from streaming because up until now, that didn't happen. But now there's a provision that they can be paid directly, and that's kind of good. The next thing is the Classics Act. And you probably didn't know, but songs that are played on Sirius XM especially that were produced before 1972, Sirius didn't have to pay royalties on that because of a loophole in the law, basically. And the Classics Act tightened up that loophole, so now everybody's going to get paid. I think another really big thing is the fact that the album is not dead, but this year was another nail in the coffin, as we're finding that fewer and fewer artists, especially new artists, really care about doing an album. They'll do plenty of singles, and they'll keep on putting them out, but not necessarily an album. The emphasis on an album is over, for the most part. And again, if you're a legacy artist, or if you're not a new artist, then you think of an album as something that you should do for your musical legacy, but new artists today don't much care, and neither do the record labels. Just in terms of the fact that you can make more from an album sale, but that being said, fewer and fewer people are buying albums. So look for that trend to continue next year. Finally, Best Buy is winding down CD sales. And like I said before, CDs continue to sell. They're selling less, but there's a lot that we don't know about in terms of where they're being sold. We do know that the brick-and-mortar retailers, though, are not going to be carrying them too much longer. Best Buy and Target, so it's going to be more difficult to get. You can always get them on Amazon. It's not too much of a problem, but it should be interesting to see how this is handled in the future. And see if the CD becomes the new vinyl. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyownercircle.com. If you like the interviews on the podcast, the words of wisdom of my guests have been compiled into a book called The Music Business Advice Book. In it, you'll hear the voices of experience on things like pushing your career forward, getting paid, social networking, and much, much more. You can find the Music Business Advice book on Amazon and in bookstores. Now, a little bit more on the gear side here of what happened last year. Guitar Center entered the year not looking really healthy, and I think it ended the year looking a whole lot better. There's been a lot less word on the street and a lot less press about the money that Guitar Center owes, and it owes a lot, over a billion dollars. That being said, they seem to have restructured it, and everything seems to be going smoothly. The stores seem to be going pretty well. The vendors that I talk to, the manufacturers, are happy doing business with them and are doing good business with them. So the Guitar Center kind of turned things around, or at least it seems that way as of right now. On the other hand, Gibson has been a continuing story through the whole year. It's really interesting. First of all, they started off 2018 by not attending NAM, and everybody thought that was crazy, and it was. Instead, they went to CES. That turned out to be a disaster. 
And by the middle of the year, by the summer, Gibson had entered bankruptcy and its creditors, especially the two big bondholders, wound up taking it over. And its former owners, Dave Barry, Henry Juskowitz, had to give it up so they're no longer involved. So the news has been better lately. With new management, they have some less expensive guitars coming out, some nice reissues. It seem to have come to their senses and how to do business. They're coming back to NAM again. That's a good thing. And it looked like they had actually finished up the bankruptcy and were going to be a viable company again. And then it hit. This last week, we found out that the U.S. trustee that was overseeing the Gibson bankruptcy refused to let it out of bankruptcy. And the reason why it looked at KKR and the other private equity companies that were involved that actually took over ownership, and they thought that those companies were trying to do some financial engineering to get around paying the bills, what was owed, and even owed to the court. So they were called on it. So now this will continue at least into the new year, which should make it interesting. Avid was in the news again. It ousted its CEO, Luis Hernandez, for violations in workplace conduct. Since then, they've been pretty much out of the news, except the stock, again, has taken a beating. It's been in the 4, 5, 6 range here for the last year. Now it's more in the 4 range, but mostly because all tech stocks have gotten beaten up pretty badly lately. But that being said, at least we don't hear any rumors about things happening that are negative. Don't hear anything positive either, but they seem to be selling quite a bit. People are still involved, and we don't see the mass migration that Many times people are expecting, especially from Pro Tools. Radial Engineering was bought by the Ultimate Support Systems. Radial Engineering is one of my favorite companies. They make great boxes. They also own a number of other companies like Jensen Transformers, like Dynaco, like Prime Acoustic. So in fact, they do have a lot of products that they're selling. The last NAM, 2018, in January, they were purchased by Ultimate Support Systems and everybody crossed their fingers that nothing would change. And in fact, that's the case. So far, Radial Engineering continues to put out great products and great little boxes that always find a use in a studio. I own a bunch and I bet you do too. We've been predicting that the tablet would replace the computer one day, that would replace the desktop, would replace the laptop. And all those predictions have not come to pass. But that might change with the new iPad Pro because it's so powerful and it does things so well that it's possible to finally do a lot of work that you couldn't have done previously, especially high-quality audio work. Now possible to do it on an iPad Pro. I'm still a little skeptical, but I see videos all over the place of people that are doing it, so it must be true. So look for next year to see how this changes how we work. And in fact, if the iPad Pro makes more of a penetration into the digital audio workstation business. A really big deal in the last year is the fact that production budgets have pretty much returned. And if you're an artist on a major label, chances are there's a pretty good budget for you. As a matter of fact, advances have kind of gone crazy over the last year. and We're back to million dollar advances again. So the record label world is very, very healthy. And in fact, we've seen where the sales last year were just great and this year are going to be even better. So as a result, the budgets have gone up and that's good for just about everybody involved in the studio business or the production end of the business. 
Smart speakers are a big deal. And over the last year, we've seen the fact that a lot of people have purchased smart speakers just for music. So they could dial up their favorite playlist, their favorite songs, without actually having to physically dial it up by just talking to Siri or Alexa, Alyssa, any of the other, Cortana is the other one. And we're going to see more and more smart speaker technology happening. I'm a little leery of it myself. I'm kind of happy not speaking to a device, but that's just me. A lot of other people are really happy about this, so I think we'll see more of it. One of the things that streaming has done, it has changed song structure. We've seen that more over the last year than we have actually even in the past. One of the things we're seeing is songs are shorter and shorter. One of the reasons why is it's better off to have someone stream something twice that's short than just once long. You make more money. So we're seeing songs as short as two minutes. Two to three minutes are kind of the norm. We're not seeing long intros For the most part, we're getting right to the point on songs, even starting right on the hook and right in the chorus. Of course, there's hard endings anymore. There's no fades. There's no fade-ins or fade-outs. And Of course, the reason why we had fade-ins and fade-outs is more for radio back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and it was something for the radio DJ to speak over. We don't need that anymore in a streaming age. And we're finding that fades of all types are going away. So streaming has changed the song structure for better or for worse. So that's a look back at last year. We can go on and on. There's still plenty else to talk about. But these are the things that I saw just at random that I thought were interesting happened last year. I have a whole series of predictions for next year, and we'll get to that in the next podcast. In the meantime, thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyownercircle.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyownercircle.com, or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and now even on Spotify. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for your new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. Thanks so much for listening over this last year. Have a great holiday, and I will see you next time.